Welcome, folks, to the Goose Gossip Podcast. I'm your host, Levi Gerke. This podcast is brought to you by the following. Rolling Thunder Game Calls, Premium Waterfowl and Turkey Calls, Building Them One at a Time, Every Time. Mallard Bay, Plan Trips, Buy Gear, Go Experience. Guide Tech, Streamline Your Outfit or Charter. K2 Coolers, Real Value, Real Cold. This podcast is not strictly about goose hunting. I have well-rounded people on talking about great adventures they have been on in their life. Sit back and enjoy this episode. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Goose Gossip Podcast. And on the line today, I have Philip Strongman. Philip, how you doing, my man? Oh, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm just trying to keep the day moving and uh, keep my eyes open, I guess. Uh, there's always a hundred things to do in the day, and uh, one of them is never doing my podcast, and I'm trying to <laughs> bring that back to light. So <laughs> I'm glad that you can help me uh, bring on some guest speakers, and you know, me and you have talk briefly even just in the last few minutes and um you mentioned that you are from canada correct i am yeah way i i don't know up north i don't like i've not i've i have a bunch of friends in texas and they call they call us yankees but i i hey. don't know if i'm really i really class with that because i'm like i'm north but i'm not like in the u.s so well, hey, I don't know. We're up. If, yeah. if it helps you at all, I moved from South Dakota to Tennessee, so I get the whole Yankee uh, conversation quite a bit. So I'll just join on your side. How about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm uh, from Ontario, Canada. So we're about okay. two hours, two hours north of Toronto. If people know where that Toronto is, and if you have, uh, most people know where or relatively know where Niagara Falls is. So we're about four hours north of Niagara Falls. And you've always resided in Canada. You've never, you know, moved your family or you haven't moved yourself to the States at all ever. No, no, uh, born and raised in a little town called Huntsville. And so I'm about probably about five minutes from the place I was not born in, but raised in kind of thing. So, uh, so I haven't moved far from home, but I did marry an American girl. So, I uh, brought her up from West Virginia, originally from Pennsylvania, but she was living in West Virginia when I married her. So that had to be a transfer for her, for sure, huh? Yeah, it was a little, a little bit. She didn't. <laughs> she's not a huge fan of the snow, so <laughs> she, uh, she, she likes the aspect of having a lake to dive into. Uh, I don't know. You basically drive a mile in any direction around my town and you basically put yourself in the lake. So it's uh, great for that aspect of in the summertime, but winters are definitely, they, they get a little long. So usually I end up taking her south to Florida or down to her parents or something like that in the winter. So. Well then she, she's getting treated well. Uh, so with the winter subject, you, you guys had a pretty bad winter uh, up in Canada this season, didn't you? 
It was, yeah, like we got dumped on, I think it was the week of Christmas. I know it was Christmas Day because I was home from work. And I think between, was it Christmas or Boxing Day? It was one of the two. Oh, yeah, you guys don't know what Boxing Day is anyway. It's Probably the day not. after Christmas. Canadian. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't really know why we call it Boxing Day or anything like that. But uh, anyways, it was <laughs> the day after Christmas then. I think we, in the span of like when I got up in the morning, there's about two and a half feet in the driveway. And then we snowballed at the end of the day and there was about three feet in the driveway. So we got dumped on and then for the rest of the couple of days, we got a bunch of snow. So yeah, for snow wise, we got quite a bit of snow this season. Yeah. So now you do, do you do waterfowl hunting up in Canada for yourself? Just like privately and, and things of that nature. Did you grow up in it? Yeah, so we didn't necessarily grow up in it, per se. Um, my grandfather, he grew up on Lake Simcoe, um, which is about an hour north of us. My, that's where my dad grew up. And he grew up hunting uh, uh, common goldeneye, or we call them whistlers, on, on the lake there. And then just like whatever mallards here or there. So my dad stopped hunting when when we were like when we were born basically um i come from a family of eight kids so six girls and two boys so we were a little outnumbered so (laughs) he uh (laughs) he hung up his gun for a bit and uh until we were about i think i was 14 and my brother was 16 and he took us up to uh we have a cottage an hour north and my dad for the first hunt we ever went on he let us shoot uh common meganders and uh he made us clean them and cook them up and i bet just so cute <laughs> on the, the first common gander it was just the, the grossest tasting fish that you could ever ever had and he's like that's what tons of about and i'm like this can't be what waterfowl hunts about there's no way people are going to do this to eat this so but luckily we uh we transferred over to mallards and other better tasting ducks so but yeah we kind of like from from 15 or 16 my brother and i started hunting we started on the lake um just hunting lake ducks and then probably in the last five years we've or not maybe not no definitely not the last five years last 10 years we started hunting uh geese and dry fields and stuff like that so uh when my dad grew up up here there's there's hardly any geese up here um to be had in the fields and now there's they outnumber the ducks a lot so so we hunt mostly dry fields we hunt up where we actually live is there's not a lot of like crop that gets grown here it's mostly just hay fields and so we hunt like hay fields and small flocks of i don't know from anywhere for from uh, like we'll hunt a flock of 60 um uh to i don't know when they come through like the migrators come through in the fall they'll maybe get up to 120 but that's about it so we hunt pretty small pretty small flocks because most of the birds we're hunting here they all nest here so it's just all family groups come up so it's not bad like if you hit a group of uh a group of 60 there's probably about six different families of geese in there so Mm -hmm. you get about shooting opportunities so it's not like it's 
rolling birds all all the time, but it makes it enough to take off an hour before work and smash out. So, I don't know, fifteen twenty geese. So have you have you liked gravitating towards like field hunting more than you know the hunting that you grew up in with like lake hunting and water hunting? Oh yeah, like I mean you can't, <laughs> you can't beat. Uh, you're going to be driving basically up to where you're going to set the decoys and the blinds and, and, uh, and just jump out versus getting in a boat, getting waders on, you know, potentially dunking yourself in the water, just setting decoys out, not knowing <laughs> yeah. half the time how deep the water is or anything like that. So we've gone for, we've gone for a couple of spills here and there. It's not as fun as hunting and, uh, hunting in dry fields so we've we've enjoyed that quite a bit so my dad especially has enjoyed it a lot um because he grew up hunting in out of a canoe like a cedar stirp canoe oh really and uh yeah it was what date was it? it was late october and that's like late october up here you're getting like the last like you're getting the last good push of birds through through which is not saying much but late october it was like this balmy balmy day and it was probably well, i'm trying to think fahrenheit here it was like in the fifth well, it was probably 60 out and he hunted in his in his slippers and he's like this is a new hunting standard boys if i can't come hunting uh, in my slippers he's like i don't want to come so he's <laughs> like don't invite me if i can't hunt in my slippers so he's uh we've made it pretty, pretty cushy for him compared to what he grew up with. So, Hey, you know, what comes with age, it comes with discomfort. So any way to stay comfortable out in the, out in the hunting blind is, uh, is, is the number one thing when you come with age. Oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, he's a riot. We, uh, we, he grew up, uh, my grandfather carved his own decoys, um, in the bottom of the wood shop. So carved out the center of them we still have them sitting like we don't use them. We're mostly for decoration, but, uh, he grew up with carved decoys and stuff and, and hunting out of rock blinds on like this built rock blinds on uh, Lake Simcoe. And now he's sitting in a frames and layouts and warm, dry with heaters and stuff like that. So he's, uh, he's pretty spoiled now. <laughs> he's probably like, why didn't I think of this when I was hunting? Yeah. Oh, exactly. So he's, uh, he, I remember the first day we bought decoys, like actually bought decoys. He's like, why are you buying those? And he's like, why are you buying those layout blinds? He's like, what are this back in my, back in our day, we just dug a hole in the ground and, <laughs> and put some cover up around us. I'm like, yeah, but you're wet, cold and it's just gross. And, and so now he's gravitated towards I mean if the birds aren't flying or flying late and and many a time we've caught them napping in the in the layout blind so so a lot of people that they, they come up to canada to hunt you know like that's their almost getaway and you as being a resident you know your entire life there would you would you almost say you almost like have it a advantage um like knowing the birds in your area other than people like coming up there you know like a a very you know advanced hunter coming up there are you kind of like in the same ball field as them i mean experience wise and just having that advantage on them with being a resident in canada not in ontario like we we don't get i don't know i wouldn't 
I don't think I've ever met an American hunting up in Ontario um, as far as for birds wise, because it's basically the same, same aspect, like as up where we are anyways, it wouldn't be worth it. Like we hunt, we hunt maybe 10 properties uh, or like 10 fields up in our area. And the geese will use one, one year, like, or a couple properties one year and they just won't use it the next year. So there's not really a draw to come up here for geese. Um, and there's no like farm, big farm fields. Like I said, it's mostly like hay fields and, and that stuff. So we kind of, we kind of make do with what's up here. Um, I know I maybe know three other guys that like local guys that hunt the way we do. Um, but as far as people coming up, I I think most of the stuff, if they were to come up to hunt, they'd probably be in southwestern Ontario, like down by Erie or like Lake Erie or mm-hmm. Lake Claire, stuff like that, where the bigger farms are. But up here, we're mostly, if we were to get Americans up here, they'd be coming to hunt black bear or sometimes deer, but mostly black bear. So you're like in, in a like secluded like waterfowl area then? Yeah, for the most part, <laughs> like I said, it's mostly just breeding ground. <laughs> um, like probably by <clears throat> probably by October, the second week of October, um, most of our birds are gone. We'll get that on the odd like push through, but most of the birds have they kind of group up. And what we usually do is by the end of October, the beginning of November is they've pushed about two hours south of us and that's where they really start to grow up and our group up. Mm-hmm. And so we're usually, we're usually pushing down there. Um, we got some guys we hunt with down there that live down there that can scout or we end up scouting ourselves down there when we have time and just, uh, picking up farm fields here and there. So, um, yeah, like, like I said before, <clears throat> we'll hunt a flock of 60, but, they're pretty much they'll migrate by October 1st and we won't see them again. And then there'll be some birds coming through, but that's about it. So with being that close to the breeding ground, weather has to have like a huge, like disadvantage to you because the second that that snaps, they're almost like surpassing you there. And then like after they leave, like the last batch of leaves, I mean, you can pretty much hang up your stuff. Can't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, we're like I said, we could get a snap freeze in the middle of October and and up here and everything will be gone. Like it'll just push out and it won't come back north. Like nothing will come back north. So but that being said, uh, a lot of geese um a lot of geese winter like in and around Toronto. Mm-hmm. So guys two hour two hours from us still hunt right into while well, our last our hunting season for geese anyways goes till december 16th and they'll hunt them right up to season end and then ducks go till january 8th but most of the by then you're mostly hunting uh lake ontario for divers so and when do you, well, and when, uh, do you when do you open then we open september 1st oh wow i mean oh. that's you're above 60 days then, aren't you? Or you're just close at it then, huh? Yeah, yeah. Which, but Ontario is kind of funny 
is we they have this weird season up here. There's some um, townships that don't allow Sunday gun hunting. Okay. And so they have this weird season in the last week, the last half of the week in February and the first half of the week in March. And you can go hunt Canada geese in these specific townships. And as long as like, we don't get like super cold, which most of the like Toronto and that, because it radiates heat doesn't like, doesn't freeze most of the rivers. They'll stick around there till February. So we will hunt them in February and March. Um, but like I said, you're going to have to, you're driving two, three hours to get into the area where, where you can hunt. And then you're competing with basically everybody down there, which is, a little harder unless you know somebody who's got access to property. Right. So now for the amount of time that, you, or you know, the, the whole time of your life that you've been up there and you've been hunting and hunting and hunting, now, now you've got this bright idea that you want to, you know, start an outfitter up there and start bringing, you know, people and just kind of do like the, the small guiding is what I, what I'm hearing from you. Um, wh- how did that come about in your head? Like, is it just like you woke up one day and you're like, you know what? I love this so much. I'm going to, you know, try to take out a few people and show this, so show them the same experience that I'm involved with. Yeah. Well, we're not actually guiding, like we're not actually guiding in Ontario. So we live in Ontario, but we're guiding actually in Saskatchewan. So we're opening an outfitter in Saskatchewan. Okay. And it is and so, the, the first year of it's going to be this year then? Yeah. Yeah. So we're up in Saskatchewan. You gotta have, you gotta buy a hunting allocation, like, uh, basically a hunting license, um, off. So the government holds the licenses, but individual people have bought them and you gotta buy them off of each other. Just, just to allow you to guide in certain areas of Saskatchewan, the province of Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. And so, so we had to, we're basically, um, the bright idea came from my brother, to be honest. So <laughs> a little backstory, my brother and I are going into this business together. Um, it's not the first business that we've started together. My brother owns a painting business, paint while well, he owns a painting business, he owns a drywall business. And so I kind of run the painting side for him, but we started the painting business together and he's kind of like the visionary and I'm kind of like the guy that can execute the plan. And so the bright idea of getting a waterfowl allocation or license or outfitter license up in Saskatchewan really came from him because we usually take a father son trip out to Saskatchewan every year, just my dad, Steve and I, and, uh, we've been doing that for 12 years. Um, freelance, just freelance out in Saskatchewan that, met the farmers that we hunt on their land and just been going back to we've kind of moved in three different spots in saskatchewan we were in central and then southern central and then northern a bit northern saskatchewan and so we've hunted a bit all over the place we've just been pushed around just a little bit by um just places we could stay or places we wanted to try out um stuff like that so he i was perfectly content to be honest just going out there and freelancing. Um, but he decided he wanted to, uh, to do the outfitter business because one, we, 
we've put a lot of money into equipment out there um, just because when you hunt Saskatchewan, it's a little, a little on a bigger scale than back here in Ontario. Like to put it in perspective in Ontario, we can probably put a, a dozen full body Canada geese and shoot a three or four man limit. No problem. Whereas out in Saskatchewan, you got to use um, a few more decoys for Canada's anyways. And then, you got your snow geese, your ducks, and your uh, sandhill cranes. So we've invested, we probably got, I don't know, somewhere between 15, 20 grand in equipment to sit in a trailer out there. And so he's like, well, he's like, we got that money invested. Our wives aren't too happy about it. So he's like, we might as well see if we can make some money doing it. And he's like, you know, we've gone to Saskatchewan. We've seen what it's like. We, you know, it's basically the promised land for waterfowlers, in our opinion. Although we haven't been to everywhere in the state, um, but in Canada, anyways. And he said we we've taken a lot of new people out here in Ontario just to get them into it and get them excited about it. And we said, hey, why don't we do that on a little bit of a bigger scale in Saskatchewan? show them you know basically give them that opportunity to come up and experience that so it's uh it's a big undertaking but uh we're excited about it um and uh yeah um it's just my brother and i are going to be guiding this year uh we're hoping like the goal is to eventually build a lodge bring on other guides and uh yeah just get more people out there and allow them to, to experience Saskatchewan. Is there a lot of residents in Canada that like pay for outfitters to take them out, you know, waterfowl hunting and in, in in Canada? Are you talking Saskatchewan or Ontario? I would say or not Ontario, the other one. I can barely pronounce. <laughs> I don't even want to try to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, um, I always, I always mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Probably not to the extent of like Americans. Right. Like it's more more so. So there's. I would probably say there's probably sixty forty in favor of the in favor of Americans owning like hunting lodges up there. Mm-hmm. So they're mostly want wanting to charge like USD, which is American money, which is worth. I don't know what it is right now, but it's worth a lot more than Canadian dollars. And so what happens is they usually set the price in U.S. dollars and Canadians, it's a little high for Canadians, but the Americans don't mind because it's what's the difference to them, really. Um, so, I mean, there's, there, yeah, it's probably the same ratio with like Canadians getting guided versus Americans is, it's probably in the 70, 30, 60, 40 range. And you're going to, are you going to run like a multi-species kind of outfitter? Like cranes, snow geese, ducks, and geese? Yeah, where we got, where we got, uh, where we purchased our zones, it's what, yeah, it's good. It's really good for crane. Um, Speckabella geese are prominent there. We're um, right beside a big lake, so there's there'll be ducks coming through and then snows are kind of like i i don't want to say like a given out in saskatchewan but they're slightly fall 
and so and then Canada geese, yeah, and then we're we're uh, probably get the late season mallards uh, towards the end of October, probably. Huh. I man, I so just it, it's crazy up there in Canada the amount of like multi species. That's why I asked because you know there might be outfitters that you know like primarily like go after ducks and they're like, Hey, we're going to get you on ducks or Canada geese. And that's kind of what, you know, you're paying for. And then there's other outfitters where it's like, you know, you, you pick and choose what field you want because we, we, we got everything basically. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The awesome thing about there is, which I don't, I haven't looked into every state down in the States, but I know a lot of like, I don't know if, you've ever hunted cranes before but down they hunt them a lot in texas i think yeah, is where they went so they hunt up i went down to texas and hunted cranes and that that, that definitely was a blast so I, i've seen the crane train is yeah. what they say <laughs> yeah yeah so the nice thing about canada is the limit's five for crane versus i'm pretty sure it's just three down and i think in most of the state. i think you're correct on that yeah so it's it's nice because like you can go target, you could target like you could target cranes in the morning, then you could target ducks and snows in the evening or something like that. So they, there are like sections of, or times in the year where like they're all kind of grouped together, but they do go through like cranes will go through first, then come the snows, then come the Canada geese, and then finally the ducks. And so some of those overlap. And then you get your like your uh, local ducks, so we call them like brown ducks or whatever. They're not; they just hatch there, and they're just kind of kicking around there. They're not actually the big, big greenheads coming from the north. So you can go out, you could go out and in the morning shoot cranes, and then go out again in the afternoon and shoot uh, shoot ducks or even snow something like that. Hmm. Do you, do you like hunting snow geese? It's, I like, I like, I like it when it's on. Like, so put in perspective, we've hunted in Saskatchewan for about, I think it's 12 years. Okay. My brother knows for sure. But the amount of times that my brother and I have gone out to Saskatchewan and come to hunt snow geese and come home saying we're going to sell our entire spread and just hunt Canada's and ducks is probably a good six years out of those 12, like at least half the time. We just come back so frustrated from the snows and we're just like, you know what? These stupid things I don't like. To further perspective, one year is we, we were scared this field. We, we watched them for two days in the field, just absolutely just load into it there must have been there had been close to five to seven thousand in there so we said okay we're gonna hunt tomorrow morning got up the next morning set up our spread the wind changed in the middle of the night to some other wind than the past two days and not a bird showed up like not a bird you didn't see a bird all morning that that's the moment where you're like hmm is this worth it Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but I can't say much though is like, and then you have years like, well, the last two years we've, we've had great years up there, like more than great years. Like my brother and I, 
we only have so much room to like transfer all the meat back to Ontario. Mm-hmm. And so we got to that. We hunted hard for snows for the first, we'd go out for about 10 days. So we hunted hard for the first like four days and we limited out all four days with four guys on snow. So that's 80 birds. And so we're like, it's going to get really expensive to get these back. So they said, so we had this like duck pond um, that we had been watching. And so we're like, what we'll do is we're going out on the afternoon. So we'll set out, we'll set out 20 snows, like just to have something other, cause we only have about right now anyways, cause their trailer space was limited at the time. It's only gotten bigger, but uh, we only had about five dozen um, duck decoys. And so we're like, uh, we'll set out some snows with it. We'll set out, I don't know, 15 snows and then the rest of the ducks. And these ducks were, what they were doing is there's the pond and then they were just bouncing to the tea field and they just eating and they do that all afternoon. So we watched them do that for two days. And so we're like, we'll go there. We'll hit these ducks and ducks are obviously a little smaller than snows and you can only shoot eight ducks up in Saskatchewan. You can't shoot you can shoot 20 snows per person per day. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we'll bring our limits down. We'll have a nice little duck shoot. It'll be the afternoon. It's warm. We're in t-shirts and we'll just sit out the afternoon, enjoy the, enjoy the afternoon, shoot some ducks. If we, if we, uh, if you know, they come by and so my dad's like, ah, oh, I'm not coming out there. He's like, who knows if even the ducks are going to show up again. Cause you never know. So, he was tired, so he went. And so, anyway, so that's what we did. We set out 15 snow geese, all our ducks, and you went, and the snows were in the same pond, but a completely different field they were feeding in. So, we're like, that's fine. The snows can go over there, blah, blah, blah. And we'll just shoot these ducks just outside this pond. Well, we started, we set out the 15 um, snows and Granted, our, our blind was a perfect setup. We had the sun to our back in the shade of a little tree, so you can basically invisible. And the snows just started dumping in there, like just being stupid coming in. Mm-hmm. And so my brother's like, we can't not shoot these things. Like, it's just, we know what bad times have been, and this is a really good time. So, so we started shooting and so we ended up having to call my dad and say the ducks are coming in and the snow geese are coming in you better get out here and so he got out here and sure enough about an hour before last shooting light we had limited out on ducks and snows and it's just like i said one of those one of those times where it's just you set up perfect on them wind right they're in the mood just to come in and you got 15 decoys out there. and They're just acting dumb. So there are definitely, definitely frustrating parts of snow geese. And there's definitely when they do it right, they're just, it's something to, something to behold. That's for sure. So it sounds like to me, you don't set up big spreads very often, do you? Like above 12 decoys is, is kind of what I'm <laughs> what I'm getting. And, and man, I kind of want to do your hunting. Yeah. So it it's actually, it's changed quite a bit. I know, see, there's quite a few 
if snow goose hunters like to play their cards pretty close to the chest, like if you start asking and asking around outfitters about snow goose hunting, they're, they'll tell you some stuff, but they won't tell you at all. Um, and it's just up here in Canada anyways, they've moved. They used to, when we first started out, it was lots of decoys. So like anywhere we met guys like other freelancers, they, they hunted with a spread of 800 full body decoys and they wouldn't hunt with anything less than that. And they said they did really well with that. Um, and so in the last couple of years, there's been a shift up here in Canada. Now, now put it in perspective to put in perspective, to be, to be frank is like Canada hunting geese and ducks is like, is easier than you guys got it. Cause basically what happens is they come off their nesting grounds and Saskatchewan's or Alberta wherever you want to be is the first place they hit. So they've never, most of the juvies have never been shot at. Um, and the adults, they haven't been granted. They are pretty smart. They haven't been shot at either. So yeah, your decoys are their learning process. Yeah. So, but guys have really, and they've done pretty well with it is they've moved from, they moved to trailer blinds, big a frame setups, like long, um, with lots of like trees and like not really blending in more so standing out. Like if you ever see like a rock pile in the middle of a field, that's what they're kind of simulating. Yeah. And they go for about most, most of the outfitters that we've seen and kind of observed, like I said, they won't technically say it, but they put out 150 to 200 snow goose, like decoys, a real, kind of uh, oh, what's the word uh, realistic spread yeah. like all spaced out kind of kind of thought out and they'll kill them over like yeah 200 150 200 to 300 decoys so the era of like the super big spreads up here has seemed to kind of gone away um, and they seem to be killing them with that so they like I said trailer blinds big A-frame set up um, some guys still sit in white in the decoys with, with socks and stuff. Mm-hmm. The problem, up, the problem in some areas in Saskatchewan is if it's not flat and there's trees, if you, if you got no wind, then your socks are screwed. So the majority of them hunt with, uh, with full bodies. So we, we have 400, 400 full bodies. And I think, I think another 500 socks. So we're capable of setting up a big spread. Um, just, we've just started to make do with, we usually set up the 400 full bodies and we're usually pretty good with that. Capable is a little bit different than what is uh, going to get us our limit. Basically <laughs> what was what, yeah. what, going to make these geese or ducks cup their wings faster than the next turn. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So it's, uh, what's a, what, like, what's a normal day for you? Like I'm saying, you know, you're hunting in either 
Ontario or Saskatchewan, like say I'm already butchering that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like due to weather, does does weather have a lot to do with hunting up in Canada? Like I, this year will be the first year that I ever hunt in Canada and, and everybody can laugh at me or this or that, but I, I really don't care at that point. But um, <laughs> what, what what's a normal day to you? Like say it, it's, it's snowing out or, you know, you got a good feed and this or that, or you, you're just going to throw the bare minimum at them since you kind of know this generation of, you know, they're, they're not really, you know, coherent with knowing decoys or this or that. Like if it's, if everything's on your side, are you going to throw that small spread out day in and day out? Yeah. For the most part, um, the biggest thing we're finding is like hiding, um, properly. So not even like hiding, like, it's hard to not even like hiding to where you can't be seen, but hiding like you're meant to be there kind of thing. So I like the way you think. Yeah. So it's, so having one of the things we found out this year, which, which was trial and error, but probably could have been solved if we'd done a little more research and watched a few more guys like videos and stuff like not videos, but just like how they set up is like a big, a big key is not to have the, the decoys too close to the blind. So they're setting them about 25, 30 yards before the first decoy is kind of set. Um, so when they hunt, like if they hunt, like, uh, a hedgerow up there and they're, they got the atrium in there or they hunt like off a rock pile or something like that. They know typically if you drive past, uh, now I'm saying this for snow geese, it, it's right. different for ducks and Canada's and stuff, but primarily snow geese since they're kind of the sketchiest of them all is they don't sit on the edge. Like they, if you look at them and look down a hedgerow, you can almost draw a straight line at about anywhere from like 15 to 30 yards that they won't get any closer to it. I don't know whether it has to do with like whether a coyote could come out and grab them and they need that distance to basically fly um, or what, but that's what, if you drive by them, you pretty much can count on that's how far they'll be outside of any kind of structure. And so that's, if you do that, um, basically yeah you're you're looking at we like i said we'll hunt with 350 to 400 decoys that's about the spread we'll hunt with um on a day any given day kind of thing on a on a normal season um what what would you say would be a good day compared to a bad day for yourself. Now, every day is a good day when you're going out hunting, but we all, we all love putting them down a little bit more than we usually do. So what's like a three man, yeah. four man, what's, what's your, what's your favorite mark? I guess what's, what's a happy moment for you. I mean, every, I mean, you want to shoot limits every day, obviously, but, um, <laughs> if, if we're hunting Canada's like here in Ontario, it's not a stretch to on a like we don't we don't hunt with big groups here in Ontario. Like we well, we don't guide in Ontario. We just freelance, so we just with our buddies or whoever wants to come out. Like I said, we're big into introducing new hunters to um, to hunting and getting them excited about it and stuff like that. So 
um, in Ontario, uh, to go out on like, say a 60 bird flock with three or four guys, we'll probably limit out like five per person. Um, early season, you can shoot 10, it's oh, wow. double to 10. I'm not sure why, maybe just to kill off the local birds. Maybe is that their, that's their thing. But, um, usually in the early season when you're shooting 10, you can't, it's, it still probably sits around anywhere from 20 to 40 birds is like an, a good day in Ontario. And then like a bad hunt would probably be, we probably get two or three flocks in and we'll probably shoot anywhere from six to eight kind of thing. Um, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, why I say it's really unique is because you have that multi-bird like species. So say you struck out on snows, um, you can go to any given pond and you could probably sit on the edge of a pond and shoot six to eight ducks in an evening kind of thing if you really wanted to. We don't do that that much just because um, we like field hunting. We like setting up uh, setting up for them and basically just beating the birds like and learning from them is what we're most concerned about, just becoming better, better hunters. But there are a lot, a lot of Americans come up and hunt like ducks and limited ponds or just ponds where the ducks are kicking around. And like I said, there'll, there'll be three of them and they'll shoot anywhere from six to one. I can't do math quick in my head, but um, anywhere from six to about uh, 12 or 13, just, just going out and finding a pond kind of thing and just letting the ducks kind of roll around. So, um, a bad day in Saskatchewan is a two man limit of. I can, I can see that being like a bad it. day. I could definitely yeah. see that being a bad day. Two man limit up in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we went out spring snow goose hunting this year and we, it was only our second, well, well, our first year actually, actually hunting them for, for four days. and we hunted them for yeah like i said four days and we shot what was it 108 oh wow so we we thought it was a we thought it was pretty rough in our opinion like we didn't shoot well or the way we set up the way the birds acted uh it burned us a little bit the amount of hunters that were up there was just retarded mm-hmm. um which is not an excuse. You just get put in the work harder. But, um, so we shot one 108 and we thought that was bad for four days. Um, but you know, you listen to guys that hunt in the States and they'll go out and they think it's a good day to shoot four or five. Like if they go and shoot four or five ducks and they're, they're pretty stoked about that. So we, I think we're a little spoiled up here in Canada but uh, well, I'll just that, answer, I'll that answer that for, I'll answer that for you really quick. You are, but that's okay because you you grew <laughs> up over there, so you have every right to be spoiled. So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that'd be a bad bad day. But we're the 
it's just like any other waterfowl hunting is like a cold snap. If you can get on the birds like night before, day before when that weather starts coming, they'll, they'll act stupid. They'll get stupid because they're just feeding up and getting ready mm-hmm. to push out. So you hit them the, the day before and you, you're killing those birds pretty good. So. So everybody's got a favoritism when it comes to waterfowl hunting. And, you know, obviously my favorite bird to hunt is a Canada goose just because of the name of my podcast. But now, yeah. what about you, Phil? What, what, what's your favoritism? Like if you, you know, when you're, when you're buddy hunting up in Ontario and say there's Canada's mm-hmm. and then there's ducks in this field, which one are you going for? Oh, ducks all day. <laughs> I it is just something about them just uh, dry, ducks in a dry cornfield just I don't know just gets me fired up so is there a lot of cornfields up there uh there's a bit like I said when you push for further south um there's quite a bit of corn yeah man I've heard so many stories about Canada and how it's just so wide open. It's just rolling hills. It's just like the terrain is just so different than the States. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm so uh, oblivious or I don't know. There's probably other words for it, but like once I laid my eyes on it, probably bit, probably would have had a better conversation with you. You know what I mean? Cause I'd be able to almost relate or ask you more about Canada, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it is kind of it's kind of like the states. I think the the states definitely has like more variety. Yeah. Uh, like, for instance, not to get all political or bring up the past and whatever happened, <laughs> where, where your stance are is on that all this COVID crap. But to put it in perspective, I didn't talk to one American that was upset too much about like where they could and couldn't go. Right. Because for one, we know that Americans love America. Um, And so, but they have like, if you want to go somewhere, I mean, I know Hawaii closed off, but Florida was wide open. So you, if if you got cold up there in Nodak, you go to Florida and you could still travel. Up here in Canada, we, we have a lot of, we have different landscapes and stuff like that. But one thing you can always count on in the winter is cold. And so when we, when we in COVID, there was a lot of Canadians that were very unhappy that they couldn't cross the border. So as far as that's concerned is like, we have a lot of the same kind of landscapes. Like Ontario is very like has big hills, not mountains, but big hills, lots of timber. Um, and lots of lakes, lots of um, lots of rock, um, and then you got next to it Manitoba, which is farming country, um, has some trees, and then you got Saskatchewan, which is like dead flat basically, um, and then Alberta, you're getting into the mountains, and then BC is a lot of like the Rockies, the big mountains, um, and then you get over farther to the west coast and you hit whatever ocean that is i'm gonna sound really stupid to the people that are listening but i don't know either i don't care too much anyways whatever's over there just above washington you, you only care about what's around ontario you know what i mean oh dude dude i only care about like people think i'm crazy but my ideal 
vacation spot is Saskatchewan, which is dead flat. But that's there's two reasons for that is because Saskatchewan's a very small town, which I love um, compared to up here. Because up where we are, we get a lot of like people. It's cottage country up here, so all the people come out of Toronto, and we go from about twenty two thousand in our normal setting of Huntsville to about 80,000 on the weekends. And there's just crazy people up here from the what? city. Um, oh yeah. Dude, you, guys, it's, it's you guys really insane. take the whole weekend warrior to its fullest definition. huh? So, <laughs> it's unreal. I'll give you an example of how, how crazy it gets my house and where the church is that we go to and where my parents live. My dad's a Baptist minister anyway. So he preaches at church, which is right beside the house. So for me to get to my parents' house on like an off season day is probably about five minutes. Okay. In the summer on the weekend, it could take me almost 15 to 20 minutes to get there. Oh my gosh. That that makes zero sense. It's, yeah, honestly, it's because we have one of like our towns, right? Our the last kind of gateway, anyways, from Toronto is the last kind of gateway to like one of the biggest national parks um, in Ontario. Uh-huh. And so everybody comes up there and camps there. So they got to come through Huntsville to get out there. So that's where they all stop for supplies and all that jazz and stuff. So. Do you guys have a name we for get, people that come from Tor- do you have a name for people that come from Toronto and come vade you guys' uh <laughs> your town and everything like city walkers or anything <laughs> like that or is there any funny name for them? Usually, usually just idiots. Idiots. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, as I said to my wife, I said on Sunday I said I'm going to go get a you know, monster or whatever from the convenience store and it literally Literally a 30 second drive away, and I almost got sideswiped <laughs> two times in 30 seconds. I said, Babe, I said, These people are nuts. <laughs> so we need to get out of here. <laughs> How far is Toronto from you then? So it's about two and a half hours. Two and a half. And man, yeah. so like parts of Canada. Does it, um, with like terrains that you were speaking about, you know, some of it being flat, some of it being mountainish, and this could be probably be anywhere, but like parts of Canada, does it just take forever to get places? You know, if it's 20 miles, 20 miles can be 20 minutes someplace and 20 miles can be 40 minutes in, in, in Canada. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, so I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So we, my, my brother, like I said, owns a painting company, <clears throat> excuse me, a painting company. And so we work on all these, there's these three lakes up in Muskoka. Um, Muskoka is kind of the region which gets called is there's like Lake Muskoka, Lake Rosso, Lake Joe. And so we work on all these lakes. Um, I don't think to put in perspective, the amount of money that's on these lakes is I don't think I've worked on a cottage, like painted a cottage under 10 million in the last, five years and so these are all like monster monster homes but that being said is like you work on all these lakes so you got to drive around them and they're all these um cottages that actually sit on the lake so i was working on one cottage and i looked across it was just a small river portion that connected two of the lakes and on the other side of the river was a cottage and i could it would probably take me 
30 seconds to swim across this little channel or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for me to drive from that cottage to the cottage I could see, which is a 30 second swim, basically would take me about half an hour. Oh my Lord. Now, now when yeah. you, when you say cottage, is it like, is it like a getaway place? It's like a, a, a lot or not a lodge, but like a, a cabin or something like that. No, no, not, not, not really. It's, they're basically second homes kind of thing. So they're all winterized, even though a lot of them don't use it in the winter. Um, Rich bastards. And they're all these big, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Like I, there's probably some happy people out there that live on those lakes, but I haven't met one of them, uh-huh. but they, to put it in perspective, to put it a little bit in perspective, the last cottage I did, the one I was talking about, they had a G wagon that I think they're worth over a hundred thousand. And he had like a little tarp on it and left it in the woods over the winter and just sat there just cause that was his cottage vehicle. Well, man, hopefully your, your, your guide business takes you out so you can buy one of those cottages in the, in the, in the far future. You know what I mean? Well, I would, yeah. Now, to be honest, I'm hoping this guiding business takes me down in the States to be, to be perfectly honest. So that's where my brother and I have kind of our sights set just because land prices up here are, are, uh, are so expensive. Um, that's the angle kind of thing is to actually move to the States. I mean, we'll come up to Canada for, a couple months or whatever in the summer when it's nice and visit with family and stuff. But our ultimate goal is to live buy property down there and live down there. Well, I'll give you a little insight. If the president yeah. that gets, if the president that we have right now gets reelected and I don't care, anybody can listen to this and they're probably going to agree with me. But if Biden gets reelected and he goes for another four years, you're probably going to want to stay back for another four years, Philip. I'm just, I'm giving you the God honest truth. I, I don't care how bad it gets up in Canada. It, it ain't that glorious here in America right now with, with that shithead in office. Well, to be perfectly honest, uh, how good it's getting up here it's it's getting pretty bad up here i mean the guy we got up here is an absolute nut but he what he's doing what he's doing is he's um he's putting pretty heavy restrictions on firearms so he's not just coming after like the assault style weapons whatever he thinks that is yeah i've seen we have different opinions on that I've read articles to articles, but I'm not the greatest at understanding, you know, big words and all that political side of things. But I've, I've read into a few of them, like where they were almost trying to put restrictions on like semi-auto shotguns, you know, like your regular Benelli's and things of that nature. I don't think that ever got passed, but even like the, you know, the push to come to serve on that situation is, was is not good, you know, cause then it could just blemish back up or in, in, in some other format, it could blemish back up, you know? Yeah, so that's 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 a, that. There was a bill that got put into we call it Parliament. Um, that that's exactly what it was. Is my brother shoots a Super Black Eagle two, and I shoot a Benelli A four hundred, and both those would have been outlawed. Quote yeah. quotations like obsolete, basically. Yeah, so, but I knew, <laughs> I mean, we, 
<laughs> we have like not like uh not like close friends but guys we hung with once or twice a year and other guys we talked to in canada and they all shoot the same guns and we know for sure that they weren't getting them giving them up anytime soon so that kind of didn't flow up fly but it's that's the kind of thing up here in canada kind of i don't know i'm i'm the type of person whereas I'm not going to go around offending people, but just leave me alone and let me do my thing. I'm not going to be a lawbreaker, as it were, or whatever, go around, you know, telling people what to believe and how to believe it and what to do. But I expect the same in return. Don't tell me what to do. But anyway. Yeah, they always always try to match us up with the other bad person just because we may have, you know, property that is the same as theirs you know what i mean like it property yeah. is in a gun that was used in a horrific event and now they want to take it away from us because we use it in a correct format you know what i mean it's just yeah. it, it, we're, we're never gonna probably get away from that and we don't have enough time yeah. to dive into that conversation <laughs> and i never i never really do because yeah. you know i just as much as i would just love to talk about it it, it can either it can either sink or swim you you know what i mean yeah yeah and i mean i don't know there's no real the only people, if you're having a conversation with somebody, you're not going to change the mind of the person you're talking to. It's the people that are listening that you're going to change their, their mind. So, mm. I mean, conversation is, I don't know. It's, it's not one to be one during a conversation or to be, I mean, I think it needs to be talked about. It needs to be acknowledged, but at the same time, it doesn't need to be harped on either. So we're, we're the kind of, uh, <laughs> there's a, <clears throat> we, uh, simulate it to is if we shoot a limit of geese, we're not hanging the geese out back of the truck, even though we could letting them dangle out there, but there's, we get, it's a heavy, heavy moose population up where we are. And so the amount of trucks and trailers that roll up, I think it's October 2nd, the second week of October, actually, that you can hunt moose. There's guys that roll up to Northern Ontario and I tell you, they strap the moose on the back of the trailer and they drive back down to Barrie, which is an hour and a half North or even Toronto. And they just leave the thing dangling out the back, blood all over the trailer. And I'm like, I can see your point in saying you can (laughs) harvest something that way, but getting city people upset with you isn't going to help at all. It's probably going to, aggravate the matter even more so we're kind of like uh we're not ashamed of what we do and how we harvest animals and eat them and stuff like that but we're also not you know shoving it in the face of somebody that doesn't want that being seen so so there's people up in canada that don't like hunting <laughs> it's, really it's the vast majority <laughs> like oh yeah the vast majority of people in Ontario don't hunt at all. Wow. That, 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 that question probably should have been arised way before because I, (laughs) wow. Because you would think, you know, with the amount of animals that you guys have in the most like, I don't know, preserved area, you know, most untouched land, you know, just animals that maybe have never even seen a human, you know, I don't, I don't know how to else explain it. And that's the quickest way to explain it is animals that have never even seen a human and people that don't, 
enjoy that, you know, that perspective. But I mean, we, we, we have that issue throughout the whole United States. I just, I just wouldn't see it happen as often, I guess, the people up in Canada with, I don't know. I really don't know where I'm going with that, except for it just, it surprises me that you have that same issue up there. Yeah. So like anybody who lives in this area, like Huntsville um, and surrounding areas, anybody that for the most part now COVID kind of changed that. Cause there's a lot of city people that moved up here and worked remotely. Mm-hmm. So that's changed the landscape a little bit, but for the most part, anybody who lives up here, except hunting for what it is they may not hunt but they're not like out there screaming at people for hunting but to put it in perspective um that aspect of it is we have a butcher in in huntsville like dead center of huntsville and he takes a week off to clean deer mm-hmm. and he'll <laughs> uh, we drive our our deer season November the first two weeks in November, and he's right in the middle of town, like not right downtown, but close. And there's like grocery store and other shops and stuff close by, and he'll hang like ten to twelve deer out, like just to let them hang, mm-hmm. and he's probably written been written up and had people angry at him probably four or five times over the last, I don't know, 10 years that he's 10, 12 years he's owned the business. Wow. So even, even though hunting's like, a, like deer hunting is a relatively not big thing, but it's accepted thing up here. You still get those people that are more nature lovers. Now we get away with it because the geese, you know, the geese just create a mess on uh, everywhere they they walk and stuff like that. So they'll get up on the cottagers' uh, front lawns that they have all manicured all nicely and just poop all over it. So we get that exception. That's the only thing the city people hate is geese. So if we're shooting geese, uh, like September 1st, uh, September, we usually... They just changed it to September 1st, but it was usually the day after Labor Day up here. Mm -hmm. And so we would hunt on these fields and the fields are around lakes, which are around cottages. And (laughs) we'd be killing these geese. Like they'd they'd be coming home from their cottages and it's still it still pushes up into the seventies some days in, in September. And so they'd be coming back from the cottages and we'd be killing these geese. And we've had a couple like Benzes or Mercedes roll up on us and they're like, yeah, kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the only thing they, because they just, they just crap all over their lawns. And that's the only thing they, they really despise the deer, ducks, or deer ducks and whatever else they're all nature and loved up here they not to be harmed they're meant to be looked at and so like geese they people absolutely despise the geese so works out pretty well for us in, in my opinion people do hate geese up here too or down here i shall say because they, they, they do yeah. the same thing they're the same bird up there as they are down here <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah that's for sure so but uh yeah what about so you just moved down there you moved down to do you say Tennessee? 
Yeah, Tennessee. Uh, it's been talking about flat land. You know, South Dakota. It's it's probably one of the closest states to being flat for most of the majority of the state, rather than the west side. So, um, moving down here and venturing around down in the south, it's been the quickest definition is eye opening. So, I mean. <laughs> just different uh, there's just way much more lay of the land than there is um in south dakota i mean it's, it's just different mm. yeah I, yeah th- but, this year will be the first year that i go up to canada and it the, the more that is around uh talk around the shop is that we're going up to canada quite a few times this year which i'll be <laughs> grateful of multiple times like i i, I don't know how it's happening but just be ready to to go up there so hopefully get to see some of the stuff that you see from day to day yeah man are you are you freelancing or going with an outfit or what no we will be just going up there freelancing i think some some of them will be going with friends that run an outfitter and we'll be paying them and 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 so forth i i believe i i don't know all the jurisdiction my boss he kind of lines all that up and uh, i just i take the videos of the ducks dying and the geese that are dying so i don't i don't really pick and choose what happens i guess you could say there you go well yeah that'd be awesome man it's uh it's 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 Something every waterfowler I think should experience is going to Saskatchewan, even Absolutely. if it's just for one one time. It's just one thing I will say, and I mean, people probably hate on me for saying this because I'm promoting, telling people to go up there and whatever. But it's one of the unique things about it is it gives it's one of the last places in my opinion that gives equal opportunity to everybody that goes up there and hunt so farmers aren't allowed to lease their land to hunters so it's permission only and you can't pay a farmer give them gifts um farmers are restricted on how much they kind of help you out per se um we had a CO stop us. I uh, ruined one of our hunts, in my opinion, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'll let you get back to hunting. And I'm like, buddy. It's like, while we were talking here, every single mallard we were going to hunt out of the field was just circling around us. And you were just talking. You're like, oh, well, I'll let you get back to it. I'm like, it's all gone now. It's done. It's, it's but, over, bud. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is what it is they're doing their job and we're trying to hunt so whatever but um oh he like the ceo said if you catch a whiff of anybody paying farmers up there he's like you let me know he's like either both sets of groups are getting a big fine the piece of people that are paying them and the people that are um that are getting the money so most of the farmers don't give out more than three days permission so if you want to go hunt back on their land after or back on the spot, you even ask three days before you you go back and ask them. And all the farmers are, I would say about 98% of the farmers are open to hunters. Um, if you don't get a field, usually somebody beat you to it. Not that they're not letting hunters on there. So that's a really unique aspect of it because this spring we were, hunting in i guess can be relatively north up close to the tree line for snows and we were hunting and there is 
about five different guys up there freelancing. There was a couple outfitters, but most of them were freelancing. And it was, it was, there's five of us, five groups of the guys, and it was, we were chasing these big flocks of snows around, and it came down to who got there first. So who got there first, who had the number of the farmers, farmer that could get permission fastest. And it was just, to me, it was like, it was competitive, but it was also a ton of fun because, you know, you're up there competing and it wasn't, there were some veteran guys there. There was some movie or big TV crews there too. And it was the, whether you were us who were, four guys just freelancing or whether you were uh you know been doing this for however long it was the, you know the playing field was leveled off it was just how uh how fast you could get that farmer's number and ask for permission so that's a big big uniqueness to uh to saskatchewan is it kind of leveled the playing field as far as getting permission wise and so there's a lot of shyness when it comes to people um, thinking about the Canada subject. You know what I mean? There's so many variables that go through a person's head, but if they kind of just looked at the bigger yeah. picture of Canada, it'd be easier for them. You know what I mean? And, and like you're saying, it, going against all, you know, aspects of what, what people's mindset is of like, Oh, don't, don't tell them that. Cause then it's just more pressure this or that. But I mean, everybody's got to, a human body and a human nature to want to see things that they may have never seen. And people yeah. are so greedy with, with, with money or this or that. And it's good from your standpoint, you know, about to start an outfitter and still telling people <laughs> on a podcast, like come and see it. You know, if, if you pay for it, if you don't, you know, either one doesn't matter. You, yeah. you almost got to come see it. Yeah. I think you, you, uh, you had loaded timber on there. There, the other, well, I, I forget how long ago it was, but I listened to it the other day and they were talking about a scenario where they were competing with another outfitter and um, the outfitter didn't want to join up and get both groups like hunts there. And and so they ended up having to go somewhere else or whatever, some kind of scenario. But we're listening to that. We're much the same way as we want, you know, we obviously want our clients that we're going to have up there to have good hunts, but we're, you know, if, if somebody, if the scenario comes up where it's going to spoil somebody else's hunt, but like, that's not what we're into. And, and, uh, we've had quite a few, just not in, not so much in Saskatchewan. There's been a couple, but not so much in Saskatchewan, but Ontario where the farmers given out double permission and we showed up and, you know, we said, Hey guys, do you want to hunt together? And like, no, we don't, we're not hunting together. So it's like, even though we had permission and we could have set up whatever close to them and both tried to hunt, it's like, you might like, it's not worth wrecking somebody's hunt or, you know, getting in some altercation and getting the farmer all pissed off for, you know, a simple mistake of, you know, letting people hunt on there and then him maybe getting turned off to hunters. It's not worth, you know, 20 birds or whatever. It's, um, we hunt a lot and so we, you know, the next hunt where we can, we shoot some birds. So yeah, we're more interested in. It's, it's always a subject of matter when it comes to, you know, yeah. two permissions or this or that, or people don't wanting colliding. I was actually, 
you know, there when all that was happening and it wasn't just a conversation that from the past uh, with a lot of timber, it was like, and it, and that, that was one of the first moments that I've actually like witnessed, you know, outfitters dealing with her a outfitter dealing with, you know, maybe hardships with other outfitters in their, in their general area. So, uh, man, it, you could sit there and conversate for almost <laughs> days about it, but, and have two of those same people on, not even on air, just on a phone call. And, and there's never going to be an equal conversation about it. One's going to want to win than the other, or the other one's going to want to like work together type of deal. And the only ones that ever work is the ones that have the same mindset. And we're like, okay, we're, we're in the same ball field. Let's play ball. You know, how can, how can we both hit home runs here? Yeah, it, it's, you know, I feel bad for, like, you say if there's somebody outfit and you got clients, right? Because they're kind of stuck in the middle, like, not not in the fact that maybe they're out there in the field and you're talking to them, but, like, you're both just, you know, trying to give these clients a, a hunt kind of thing. And, I mean, in one sense, I don't know, like, I could be very well wrong, but one sense the clients don't care if there's another group there and they're hunting together like and they're both shooting birds like if it comes to that between getting you know getting a hunt and no hunt at all it's like in my opinion it's like why not like you get a chance to meet new people you know hear different stories and and you know maybe make a friend here or there and go hunt in a different area um some other time i mean it opens potential to a lot of possibilities and you're just going to be closed off for that because you're so short-sighted on shooting this bird or this limit or you know this many ducks today that you you know you can't see what's you know staring you right in the face which is an opportunity to you know widen your scope of maybe hunting area or just group of friends that you know could be a lifelong relationship yeah i always pray for a certain moment where not everyone, cause you can't really, you can't really gravitate towards everyone, but it'd be great if everyone could, you know, get on the same page. But I, I would almost be so pleasant with, you know, the majority of the people that we all get on the kind of like the same page where rather it be guiding or, you know, freelancing, you know, if we run into these issues of, you know, what, what is the end all be all like, can we make an ethical, you know, statue of like in our, in every waterfowl's mind of like, you know, if the situation evolves, like what's the correct way to go about who, who's got the upper hand or is there an upper hand? Is there not one? You know what I mean? I don't, and I don't think there ever will be, but it'd be cool to kind of see somebody, you know, make a stand for that. I guess you could say. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we're dealing with it. Like, um, I don't know if you've heard much about it, but we're starting to deal with that a bit up in Saskatchewan, which I'm kind of sad to hear is like, there's been a lot of talks of not only Canadian outfitters, but also American outfitters talking about closing it off to freelancers coming up from the States yep. and, and strictly, strictly having it just as a, if you're from the U S you got to be guided. I mean, there's, you can still freelance from Canada, but to be honest, there's not a ton of freelancers that come out from Canada. Um, but it's like, in my opinion, it's like, why would like, it's one of the last places that I've heard about that permission has been, as is easily given and the birds are plentiful and 
like to be honest in Saskatchewan, like there's tons of times where guys beat us to the field we wanted to, but there's like you said, there's so many species that you just go find another field and hunt. Maybe not the species you were targeted, but you still will get a good hunt somewhere else. Well, and you know, pe- people want to, you know, get rid of that. And like, why would you? We've been freelancers and we're looking into guiding. And I mean, we've seen both sides of the sides of the table, but we wouldn't we wouldn't dream of trying to restrict that or allowing people to come up and say, "Hey." You know, we're coming up from Canada or from the States. We don't know the area, but, hey, we're just going to shoot a shot in the dark. We're going to track birds. We're going to put in the work, and, you know, hopefully we can get on some stuff. And, like, why, in my opinion, why would you why would you try to restrict that, that opportunity for someone, that, like, as a fellow waterfowler, in my opinion? I don't know. And I, I've also heard Canada is, like, the number one place for – what waterfowl hunting used to be now used to be is you know plentiful and just ducks and geese doing natural habitat things you know what i mean rather than having to throw every dollar bill at them to make them do their normal habitat or they're not normal habitat but their normal nature you know what i mean the habitat's the wrong word so i take that back but like they're just their normal their normal nature like coming into say a flock of birds and now we use plastic or foam or whatever, but I've heard Canada is the last ground that you can actually see a duck or a snow goose or a Canada goose do natural movements coming in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's pretty, pretty unique place um, to, to come up and, I don't know, to anybody who's really timid about coming up to Canada, I mean, you know, put their fears aside. I know some people get kind of um, scared of, like, bringing guns up to Canada, but it's honestly, we've looked into it, and it's honestly not that hard. I mean, you got to have all your paperwork in order coming up to the border, which is a normal thing when you're crossing a border. But right. uh, other than that, it's it's really not like you gotta sign a couple forms and you know give the border a call call before you come up or whatever is going to put your mind at ease and talk to them about it and what you got to bring and because i mean they're not going to sit there and tell you that the wrong thing like it's a legal thing to do to bring your gun across canada so or into canada so they're not gonna you know they're gonna do their job and and make sure everything's in order but it's a perfectly legal thing to bring your gun up there. So the only one thing I would say is <laughs> um, that we've kind of adapted because we fly with our guns in Canada. Mm-hmm. Is you just buy your ammo up here because whenever there's guns and ammo involved, they get a little. I don't know what the word for it is. They get a little stickier. They whatever. But if you just bring in a gun up and say there's no that's locked up. They'll come in and they'll definitely look over your guns and check you out. But I mean, if you're doing everything legal, which is the proper way to do it, then you, you're having no problems getting across. So people do it on the regular. So it's not a, not a big deal. Well, Philip, I, I hope you never leave the, the great country of, of Canada. I know you have, 
you have thoughts about coming to the United States, which I, I'm not stopping you once whatsoever, but man, you, <laughs> the way you talk about Canada, it's almost like you should evolve even more into it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh... Like I will say, if if we if I do end up moving like or buying property in the states, um, I'll always be in Canada. So that's uh, for it's uh, like even Ontario, man. Not nothing to do with hunting, but if you ever want to come up and you ever want to get into some good fishing and get into some crystal clear lakes where you can see, and I imagine you have them in the states, but where you can see you know, 20, 30 feet straight to the bottom. So there's, there's, there's a reason why people stream out of Toronto just to come up here and invade our little town. So, uh, if you ever have, you want to see some sights and some good stuff and do some good fishing and anybody who's listening to this, if you ever want to come up to Canada and do something and you're thinking of coming to Muskoka, you can hit me up and, uh, I'll, tell you whatever you need to know i got a i got a brother that loves fishing more than hunting so i i might have to take you up on that offer because if i call him and say <laughs> hey i finally got the hookup for canada fishing he he might <laughs> actually want to travel somewhere with me and i i don't know if my brother's going to listen to this but i i'm going to tell him to go just go to the ending of this podcast and and <laughs> we're going to canada no i i really appreciate the invitation and i'd invite you to the to the states but now that i'm i'm full cameraman cameraman doesn't really get much push to shove on invitations so I, i'm kind of at a loss of invitations on my side philip <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel you i don't know that's that's been my struggle like i love like we were talking about before i'm a, a wedding filmmaker right. and on most of our media stuff so all the video and stuff and we run such a small group in in ontario like there's only four of us and shooting opportunities, like I said, are like four to six. And so I struggle between grabbing the camera and grabbing my shotgun on a daily basis. So it's, when we're hunting, it's just like. You have to pick or choose sometimes, I swear. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It's it's either I've learned that you either don't pick up your shotgun at all or you don't pick up the camera. Because if you're fighting with either, you'll either end up missing missing one thing or the other. So you either miss, miss getting shot with the camera or miss getting shot with the shotgun when you should be shooting. So it's, uh, I feel you on the cameraman side of stuff. So yeah. it's, uh, you want to, you want to give people that aspect of the, the experience you've experienced on the hunt, which is like putting it out there for people to see. Um, but you also want to, you know, take in that experience yourself. So it's, uh, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna be interesting guiding up in Canada in Saskatchewan because yeah, Saskatchewan guides aren't allowed to shoot like with their clients. So oh yeah. Whenever I'm, whenever I'm guiding clients, so I'll be able to, stick on the camera full time so well i wish that, you the absolute be, yeah. yeah i wish you the absolute best with your your guiding experiences and you know starting it up cuz starting something up fresh um is always not scary it's uh it's like kind of like a nervous moment cuz you don't know what's going to happen you know what i mean so it's like 
the nervous moment when you picked up your first camera and when I picked up my first camera, you just never know what it's going to turn into. But I, I wish you the very best. And I, I, I really am thankful for you, you jumping on and, and talking about Canada. Cause I've, like I told you, I've never had anybody on from Canada. Well, for, for instance, I, this is probably the first time I've talked to somebody that's a resident of Canada. So I, I applaud you for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh I know it was kind of out of the blue and I don't know. I'm not, I haven't been on a podcast per se. I think I've, no, I haven't even been on. I used to have, I tried starting a podcast and that just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, fun talking to, I always enjoy talking to waterfowlers. Um, Man, it never gets old telling stories, does it? Oh, no, no, that's, one thing I am looking forward about looking forward to about guiding is hearing other people's stories. Because one thing you can count on is waterfowlers being a little bit nuts when it comes to shooting a duck or a goose in a field. So they'll go to great lengths and do some pretty dumb stuff to just to experience that. So it's always a always a good time talking about other stories and other experiences guys have had. Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Philip, I really appreciate you and you have a good rest of your night. All righty. Yeah, you too. I'll talk to you. Bye.